This is Unhurried, and I'm your host, Doug Kyle. You know, life can feel like a race, rushing to the next thing, never time to reflect. But there is incredible value in slowing down with God to take in His perspective, His presence, His pace. Welcome to this initial podcast. I'm Doug Kyle. I'm the pastor at Green Valley Church in San Diego. And I've been doing this for a while, this pastoring thing. But I'm brand new to podcasting. This is our first one and my first attempt at it. So I'm glad you found us and you're following along. I appreciate appreciate it. Appreciate having you there. The idea of this podcast is that you'll be able to catch the audio of the sermons, the messages that that I give on a weekly basis, and then we'll follow up with sort of a deeper dive into them. Uh, perhaps uh, think about the idea of a Monday morning quarterback who is reflecting on how the game went over the, the weekend and thinking about what could have happened, should have happened, might have happened, is a chance for me to reflect on what's said uh, and also a chance for me to go a little deeper on some of those things as well. There's there's a lot that we can't cover on a Sunday morning, and this is a chance to do that. Uh, I may want to say things a little stronger than I said it on Sunday morning. I might want to say them a little bit softer than I said it uh, the first time around uh, because, uh, you know, this now, a couple of days later, reflecting on, on it. Hopefully, if you're following along, this will engage you even more in God's Word and in the things that we talk about on Sunday mornings. I promise that it's going to be real life. I'm not going to give you just a lot of uh, easy answers or pat answers, but rather this will hopefully help us all take these these realities that we talk about on Sunday and put them into practice Monday through Saturday. Before I go any further, I want to give a special shout out to a couple guys. Uh, Ryan Viramontes is our worship pastor here, and he's been a big uh, motivator for me to be able to do this. He's, I think he's more excited than I am about this podcast and about us pulling this off. And so I, I'm really grateful to him. And Noah uh, Lodig has also been, he's our, our genius sound guy here at the church, uh, tech, techno genius. And uh, he's also been a big motivator in being able to pull this off. And I know those guys are really working hard to uh, make this happen. So grateful to them and a shout out as we begin. This series that we're going through right now, Stuff Jesus Never Taught is sort of a common format for me, and I really like it. It may seem kind of an unusual way to do a sermon series, to build it on a concept like that, especially why are we talking about stuff that Jesus never said? Why wouldn't we focus on the stuff he did say rather than what he didn't say? But I kind of like having this sort of... uh, something to bounce off of. This this, the idea of like looking at what we commonly believe or commonly hold that are truisms kind of in our culture and then letting that be challenged by what Jesus did say. You know, for sure we're going to cover the things that Jesus did say in this series that every message will be built around that. But I want to start with this idea. And the reason I like this is that it challenges us a little bit to ask what we really do believe uh, and how we go about our lives based on 
maybe principles or truisms, these little expressions that we hear. And we really don't stop to really think about, is that something that Jesus really did say or the way God really operates with, operates by? For example, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, things like uh, coming up in the future. Does God want us to pray longer? That's probably what we all think. But did Jesus say that? Did he teach that? And when we look at what he really does say, it can kind of remove a lot of confusion, a lot of guilt, a lot of pressure, a lot of misunderstanding that we have. And it starts to challenge us to think with a biblical mindset, the way that uh, the Bible, what it really teaches and what Jesus really said. I feel like uh, a lot of times we do it just the opposite. We take what we believe and we put Jesus's name on it. We think, well, I'm sure Jesus agrees with me on this. But, you know, if Jesus agrees with you on pretty much everything that you think, chances are you're just making him into your image. You're just kind of creating a God who's just like you. In fact, if if Jesus, if we feel like Jesus agrees with us on most things, we're probably off base. It's probably a time to really rethink about it. So I want to look at these concepts that we often just kind of embrace without thinking much about it and see what see what Jesus really did teach about those things. I find that in my, in my life, if there's times when I go, wait, that's what the Bible says, that's what Jesus said, if it troubles me, if it bothers me, if I can say I, I don't agree with that, that's actually a healthy thing because it's forcing me to align my thinking with Jesus's thinking, which chances are they're far apart to start with. And so this is a series, I like doing this in series where we kind of start with a common conception or misconception in our culture and then then look at what, what is reality, what is true. And this series, this series is... Uh, we're looking at the very first topic is the common expression in culture, God helps those who help themselves. And that's an expression that, that we, we love. We, we, we love that expression. I hear it all the time. Uh, people will say it, and sometimes I want to, like, bite my lip uh, because I realize it's not the time to bring it up. And sometimes I do bring it up saying, well, that's actually not in the Bible. Jesus never said that. But why do we like it? We like it because, well, frankly, we like the idea of God being a blesser of our plans, of our endeavors, that we can kind of set our mind, our goals on certain things, head in that direction, and then expect Jesus to sort of, you know, bless us with that. The way I talked about in the message is that he sprinkles God dust on it. And uh, I meant that to be a little bit provocative. The idea is that, you know, Jesus will, we work at our goals, our plans as hard as we can, put all our muscle into it. Uh, it's sort of the self-made person that our culture champions. And then we expect God to be proud of our efforts and then help us get the rest of the way. And so we like that. Um, but the question I asked in the messages, is that what Jesus did? And when you look at the way the people that Jesus helped and the ways that he helped people, in many cases, they were people that were very helpless. They were the, uh, those who couldn't help themselves. In fact, uh, 
one one of the things that made me kind of chuckle when I said it on Sunday was uh, I chuckled inside and and uh, I probably smirked from the the platform as I said, you know, God, He helped dead people who definitely couldn't help themselves, but He in in He had a bias for helping those who were helpless, and so uh, we need we need to grapple with that because we want to be kind of strong and in charge and in control and then let Jesus bless us. And we see that he seemingly gravitated towards those who couldn't help themselves. Those are the ones that he blessed. So we want to look at that uh, in this message a little bit more and, and imagine what that really means. I guess if I had to do the message over on Sunday, the thing that I would want to emphasize a little more strongly or lean into a little bit harder is the idea that I'm not saying that God wants us to be lazy. I'm not suggesting that we're supposed to uh, not help ourselves. Uh, God clearly from the Bible wants us to put all our energy and effort and passion into following him with all of our heart and all of our strength. We're supposed to love him with all of our strength, which means we, we put all, all our energy into it. Uh, and uh, as I had conversations with people afterwards about this, I think that was the thing that that we wanted to underscore is that uh, God gave us a brain for a purpose. He gave us, you know, initiative and energy and and two arms and two legs on purpose because He wants us to to step out in faith and and help ourselves in the sense of you know pursuing, following him, and pursuing the life that he wants us to live. But what I wanted to challenge people with is that kind of the independent spirit that goes with that, the idea that as we as we do those things, we kind of focus, it's easy to focus on our energy and our efforts. More importantly, it's easy to focus on our goals and our aims, and we do it independently. And the thing that uh, after preaching on it Sunday and really reflecting on the passage all last week uh, came so strong to me was this idea that God wants us to do it in relationship with him. I'll talk a little bit more about that that later, but he wants us to do that in uh, in context of a relationship with him. He wants us to recognize that we need his help, not at the end to sort of sprinkle God dust on it, as I said earlier, but rather right from the very beginning, from start to finish, he wants us to be a part of the process. He wants him to be a part of the process with us. He wants to participate with us and uh, us to rely on our, our um, him for our strength, everything that we do. The Christian life is supposed to be a life of faith, and faith means that we trust him, not just at the very end, but all the way through. And so that's the, the thing that I think I would have emphasized a little bit more strongly and some of the conversations I had afterwards focused on. The passage that we looked at Sunday was uh, that kind of brought this home for us is a passage from Matthew. It's chapter 9 verses 10 through 13 and Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, the undesirables of his day and the Pharisees had a problem with that. Of course they had a problem with that because that was that that they these people didn't seem like they were worthy of Jesus's time 
The Pharisees felt like they were the the righteous of the day, those who they would have loved the idea that God helps those who help themselves because they felt like they were self-starters. They, they had kind of earned their salvation, had, had demonstrated that they were worthy of any help that God would give them. Unlike these, uh, who they consider these low lowlifes, these, these individuals that were kind of losers in society that, that were, um, we're not worthy of Jesus's attention. So they had a problem with that. But the reason I, I brought that story out is because of something that Jesus said, really a couple of things he said. The first thing he said is he said that he compared himself to a doctor. And he said, just as the doctor comes for the sick, so I have come not for the righteous, but for sinners. And in saying that, Jesus reminds us that he comes for those who understand that they are needy who understand that they, they need help. He, he didn't come for those who were self-confident, self-assured, and self-righteous, but rather those who recognize their need. The Pharisees needed Jesus just as much as the tax collectors and sinners of his day did, but they didn't realize that they needed it. And so he uses the analogy of being a doctor for the sick to highlight the idea that he came for those who recognize that they need God's help. But it was something more profound than that that really grabbed my attention. In the middle of that passage, he also told the Pharisees, he says, go and learn what it means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And it struck me as I studied that passage that we probably haven't taken Jesus seriously in that commandment, to go and learn what that means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What, what does that mean when God says that? Well, I wanted to know, and I wanted our our congregation to know, and so I dug a little deeper, and that passage comes from the Old Testament. It comes from the book of Hosea, where God says those very words to his people, go and learn, uh, or he, he actually says the, the expression, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so Jesus said, go and learn that. So I went back, and I wanted to learn what what that is. And what's super interesting about that that statement is that it comes in the context of God longing for this love relationship with his people. He uses the word chesed, which is this great uh, Old Testament word, which means covenantal love, relational love, a love that's bonded by relationship. It's this deep, faithful, loyal love that God longs for his people to experience between God and them. Uh, that's the that's the context of this that God is longing for that kind of love with His people, and then He says, and "I'm gonna I'm gonna say this a little differently than it's written in in the Old Testament." In Hosea six six, He says, "I des- for I desire love, this love relationship, not sacrifice." Now it actually says, "For I desire mercy, not sacrifice," which is what Jesus quoted, but the original word for mercy there is chesed, that deep relational covenantal love. Uh, It's translated as love two verses earlier. It's translated as mercy here. It can, it sort of carries a bigger idea than just mercy though. It carries this idea of extended affection and tenderness and love that goes an extra mile. Uh, I, I was, when I was studying about this, uh, I, I uh, learned that it could mean kind of a love that goes the extra mile, a loyal love that that 
does what is unexpected more than that is more than what is expected. And so mercy sort of captures that. It captures the idea of that of of when we don't just show what we what is required of love, but we go beyond that to this um, this deep loyal love. And that's the the kind of love that God wants to have with us, his people. This, uh, this deep love that is uh, built around relationship and built around um, covenant. And it means more than just mercy. We think of mercy as just like, you know, being uh, de-nice to someone. But it really is this deep, rich, relational experience that he wants us to have. And so when we go back then to what Jesus said, he says, go and learn what it means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire this deep relationship and not just your your sacrificial efforts on your part. And I think what God, what Jesus wanted the people of his day to understand, the Pharisees as well as Matthew and the tax collectors and everyone that was gathered around there, is that he doesn't want us to go out and work as hard as we can, all our effort, all our energy independent from him and then sort of expect him to sort of show up at the end and and uh, be happy with it and, and, and bless us. He wants us to participate with him all the way through in this deep abiding relationship, this this relationship that is is foundational and fundamental to what it means to be a, a Christian, what it means to be a God follower in the Old Testament and in the new, and as we as we think about that, as we as we as I shared about that on Sunday, I really wanted people to lean hard into that relationship, that part of it, and uh, I, I hope you know as you think about it, uh, as you th- reflect on the message, that's what you well, you take away from it as well. We're so glad that you found us, glad that you're here listening. Until next time, this has been Unhurried with me, your host, Doug Kyle. I look forward to talking soon.